Hi there, esteemed audience. This is Rob Kent, but this is not an episode of Middle Grade Ninja, the show where I interview authors and publishing professionals. Uh, that show will resume within the next week. We've got uh, Mr. Daniel Jose Older coming up, literary agent John Rudolph, uh, literary agent Molly O'Neill, and plenty of other talented people that are still scheduling episodes. So look forward to the return of that if you're hoping to hear an interview. There are plenty of uh, episodes within the archives. Today, however, I want to do a live reading from my brand new book, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People. This is just released today, March 15th, 2019. So I'm going to read three chapters from it for you. Uh, if you're someone who likes to listen to your stories as opposed to reading them, me too. I can't get enough of audiobooks. The first book, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, is currently available as an audiobook. Uh, narrated by the wonderful David Radke, who I think uh, you'll soon agree is a far more talented author than I am. However, until an audiobook of Banneker Bones and the Alligator People can be produced, today you'll be stuck with me. Uh, you can get the first story, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, as an audiobook, a paperback, and the ebook is free to download whenever you're watching this or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. Uh, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People is newly available today. I'm so excited. This might be the hardest novel I've ever written, but it's also might be my favorite. We'll see. It's certainly my favorite is one of the two Bannekers. Um, so in order to avoid any uh, potential spoilers for the first book, which again, you can download for free, uh, you can listen to as a professionally recorded audiobook, uh, we're going to skip uh, chapter their first uh, two chapters of Banneker Bones and the Alligator People. We're going to start our reading with Chapter 3, Rise of the Alligator People. So here we go, a live reading uh, from Banneker Bones and the Alligator People by Rob Kent, read for you by the author. Banneker Bones and Ellicott Skullworth dove toward the ground, long trails of reddish-orange flame spitting from their jetpacks, the wind blowing up so fiercely it stung. Ellicott kept his eyes closed so their moisture wouldn't be sucked out. Each time he opened his eyelids a fraction to peek, the street was closer, closer, close. Stop! Banneker yelled. Up! Ellicott thought, and his head switched places with his legs less than six feet from a lamppost. The lamppost bulb was shattered, though Ellicott hadn't touched it, and the street below was dark. The flames beneath Banneker's jetpack dimmed, and he descended. Gently down. Ellicott thought, and both boys landed safely on the sidewalk in front of the main entrance of Rand Enterprises. Broken glass crunched beneath Ellicott's shoe. What's happened here? The front windows contained only jagged edges of glass where solid glass should have been. Something had smashed in the entire front of Rand Enterprises. Inside the building, security lights spun, flashing orange beams on every surface. An alarm wailed in a pitch that rose and fell. Security robots came rolling down the escalators into the lobby. The enormous golden statue of Atlas in the center of the lobby fountain caught Ellicott's attention. He'd admired the statue the first time he'd come to Rand Enterprises, because on Atlas's back there'd been a great globe. Now that globe lay in the shallow pool of water behind the statue. Atlas had at last shrugged. What's going on? Ellicott asked. Where's the dinosaur? Banneker shook his head. I don't. Fresh glass shattered to the far right of the building. Banneker and Ellicott turned to look. 
human-sized, bulky blue robots with security printed across their chest and white beard to their left to avoid an attack by something Ellicott couldn't believe he was seeing. It was dark, so Ellicott saw more of a shadow outline than an actual figure, but he saw enough. The creature had two thick legs and two arms, lean with leathery muscle like a dinosaur's arms. He too was the size of a large man, but there was nothing human about his face. He raised his hideous head and opened his mouth wide, wider than any person ever could. In that long crack, Ellicott glimpsed the jagged points of sharp teeth. The creature snarled and shook his snout. Something thick and scaly rose behind the creature's back and whipped to the right, smashing another pane of glass the size of a four-story house. He has a tail, Banneker said, a grin spreading across his face. Cool. The first two security robots rolled into the street, each the same height as the creature. Their eyes lit up flashing red as they spoke. Attention, citizen, you're vandalizing private property. The creature roared deep and guttural and twitched his muscular tail. Now Ellicott could see he was dark green and looked more like an alligator walking upright than a dinosaur. The alligator person rounded on the robots, preparing for a fight. This is going to be awesome, Banneker cried. Ellicott groaned. Why didn't I stay in bed? Cease and desist, citizen, the security robot said in unison. Please come with us. The authorities have been contacted and will arrive shortly. The alligator person turned and whipped his tail, striking the first security robot across the face so hard it toppled to the sidewalk with a great screech of metal on pavement. Don't do that, the second security robot said. But by then, the alligator person had grabbed the sides of the robot and lifted it off the ground. Don't, the alligator person flung the robot into the first, smashing them together. Wow, Banneker yelled. Those robots weigh 2,000 tons a piece easy. I should be filming this. He reached into one of the many inner pockets of his trench coat and produced his jukebook, which he pointed at the scene. More people-sized security robots rolled out through the broken windows of Rand Enterprises onto the sidewalk. Behind them came a much larger security robot. The ground shook with each of its footfalls. The bronze robot ducked to clear the building's front entrance and then extended to its full height of two stories. At the end of its arms were large barrels like Gatling guns. A bright red beam of light exploded from the robot's single eye and scanned the alligator person up and down. A booming voice spoke from somewhere deep inside the machine that was taller than Ellicott's house. Come with me to be detained until you can be taken into police custody. The alligator person curled his hands into fists, flexing every muscle and causing his already huge arms to nearly double in size. He arched his scaly back and bellowed. Not much of a talker, is he? Yellowcott observed. Banneker smirked, but didn't turn his eye from the jukebook's camera. The barrels at the end of the bronze security robots rotated and blurred, firing a hail of rubber bullets. The alligator person leapt away just in time. The bullets bounced off the street. He sprang forward, running on all fours, straight toward the two-story robot, a trail of rubber bullets at his back and tail. In one quick movement, the alligator person grabbed the arm of the giant robot, swung himself up, and climbed as fast as a squirrel up a tree until he landed on top of the robot's shoulders. His clawed hands wrapped around either side of the security's robot, the security robot's metal head and twisted it. 
The alligator person opened his elongated snout wide, baring all his teeth, roaring, and ripping the robot's head from its body, causing a spray of sparks to pump up from its neck. The robot's gatling gun arm stopped spinning and it fell to its knees, the impact shaking the ground for several blocks. The alligator person remained perched on top of the robot, waving its head in the air like a trophy, but leapt clear before the robot flumped over on its side, making a sound like a semi-truck being dropped three stories. Okay, Alicot admitted, that was awesome. We've got to stop putting the central processors in the head, Banneker said, mostly to himself. Robots aren't people. No reason their brains can't be housed someplace more protected. But you try convincing my dad. By now, more of the human-sized blue security robots had come onto the street and surrounded the alligator person. Behind them came three more of the two-story bronze robots. The alligator person backed away. When the new robots opened fire, he ran straight toward the boys. Ellicott watched in a dumb trance as the alligator person approached. The beast's eyes were a bright yellow with black slits for pupils. His snout wasn't quite as long as an actual alligator, and Ellicott had never seen an alligator run the way this per alligator person ran. Uh, straight upright on two legs like an Olympic runner with scaly skin and a tail bobbing behind him. It's coming straight for us, Banneker said. He didn't sound particularly concerned about this. Why are we in the street? Up, Ellicott thought. His jetpack fired and he rose into the air. In no time, Ellicott was three stories up and looking down where he could safely observe from outside biting range. Banneker remained in the street until the last possible second filming the approaching alligator person, which was such a Banneker thing to do. He loved the adrenaline rush of a close call. Get out of the street, Ellicott yelled. Momentarily, cousin. The alligator person came closer. You were making a huge mistake. Impossible. I don't make mistakes. And then, as though realizing this call was getting a little too close, Banneker attempted to fly away. He rose up five feet and then stopped suddenly. Behind his glasses and the steel mask covering the top half of his face, Banneker's eyes grew wide and seemed almost to plead with Helicott. And then Banneker's face blurred as he was jerked away. The alligator person had grabbed Banneker's ankle and was yanking him around like a balloon on a string. Despite the bright flames beneath Banneker's jetpack, he was unable to fly free. In the street was an open manhole. Beside it lay a discarded cover. Banneker started to shout something, but before he could get it out, the alligator person leapt down the hole, dragging Banneker behind him until both disappeared into the darkness of the sewer. Chapter 4 Into the Sewers down, Ellicott thought. He landed in the street beside the open manhole. He peered over the edge and saw only darkness. No banneker, no alligator person. Crap, Ellicott said. The blue security robots were already rolling toward him, and the larger house-sized robots were stomping behind them on their enormous bronze legs. Not that they'd be able to fit through the manhole. There was no time to wait for the police. It was no good thinking about how much he didn't want to follow a monster down into the sewer. His cousin had been dragged into the dark, and Ellicott was following after. He knew it. Pretending otherwise was only wasting valuable time. Crap. Ellicott put his foot on the first rung of the ladder built into the side of the cement wall and leading to the sewer. He couldn't see how far down the ladder went, but he kept climbing anyway until the small circle of light shining through the manhole was several feet above him. I wish I had a flashlight, Ellicott thought. 
No sooner did he think this than two twin beams of light erupted on either side of the jetpack's metal crown wrapped around his forehead like headlights. Electroencephalically, thought control was a beautiful thing. Cool, Ellicott said, and let go of the ladder. Fly down, he thought, slowly. He floated down the cement tunnel the size of the manhole until the world of the sewer expanded. He landed on a cement perch beside a flowing river of the foulest-smelling liquid he'd ever whipped. Crap was the word that came to mind, but there was plenty of that around without his needing to say it out loud. The walls were curved like a train tunnel. Cement walkways lined either side of the brownish-green river of sludge. Ellicott turned to look behind. As the beams of light from his head swept along the tunnel, at least a dozen rats scurried away. He shuddered and hovered just high enough to lift his feet off the cement before any hairy rats could scramble over his shoes. Behind Delicat, a rusty metal drain stretched from the ceiling to the ground, the thick river of Latimer City's output flowing between its prongs. There was a door in the center of it, but there was also a padlock and chain wrapped around its handle. Alicott might not be the great detective his cousin was, but he could read this clue. The alligator person hadn't dragged Banneker that way. Alicott flew in the opposite direction, the headlights from his jetpack leading the way until they caught on the corpse of an animal lying on the cement walkway. The animal was too long dead for Alicott to know what it had been. A rat perched atop it, the dead animal's decayed eyeball lodged in its mouth. The rat tugged against the cords, connecting the eye to its socket to break their hold the way Ellicott might have bitten the cherry from its stem. When the jetpack beam swept across it, the rat leapt into the river of sewage with a panic squeak and swam away to enjoy the eyeball elsewhere. Ellicott swallowed the bile that rose in his throat and flew past the animal. Ahead was a new section of darkened tunnel with no walkways, only a shallow stream of sludge spanning its center. He pulled a sweatshirt up over his nose to block the stench from the steam below him. It didn't. Banneker, Ellicott's voice echoed off the curved walls and ceiling. No response came. Banneker, Ellicott called again, trying and failing to keep a panic tremble out of his voice. He thought of how Uncle Patrick would look at him when he told him he'd let his son be kidnapped by an alligator person. He thought of Ling and his grandma Juanita, and how they'd cry when he told them what had happened to Ling's older brother and grandma Juanita's only grandson. He thought of Aunt Myra. Banneker! Ellicott screamed. Where are you? Fly faster, Ellicott thought, and he did, but it made no difference. There was nothing but dark tunnel, a river of waste, and rats. Lots and lots of rats, squeaking and setting his teeth on edge. Two weeks before, Ellicott had been a regular kid who had no idea he was the cousin of Banneker Bones, world-famous co-inventor of robots. He'd lived in Brownsboro, Indiana, a small town where no one was ever attacked by giant robot bees or alligator people. But then he'd gotten one of the two highest scores in the history of the Latimer City University Archimedes Program aptitude test and been offered a full scholarship to Latimer University. Now Ellicott lived with his cousin in Latimer City, where a boy could be smashed by monsters at any time. Just ahead, faster, Ellicott thought. He soared forward. He squinted and saw a dark outline of a kid in a trench coat and a trilby hat. Faster! Banneker was standing in sewage up to his waist. He was shaking his head in a way Ellicott understood only too late meant don't come here. 
Something large and green broke the surface of the water like an alligator attacking a gazelle come too close to the river's edge. Clawed hands smashed Ellicott's jetpack, knocking him out of the air. Ellicott plunged into the river of sewage like diving into a giant unflushed toilet. Even underwater, he heard, he heard the alligator person's triumphant roar. Chapter 5, Smoke on the Gator Ellicott was lifted out of the sewage by his ankle. He gasped for breath. Brown water rolled down his chest into his nose and mouth, causing him to choke. Ellicott blinked several times and saw the yellow eyes of the alligator person glaring at him. The alligator person had the face of a beast, but there was a human's intelligence behind those eyes. His nostrils flared on either side of his snout, and then he snarled. Fly away, Ellicott thought. Fly away, fly away right now. Nothing happened. His jetpack didn't even sputter. The lights from its crown had gone dark. Ellicott had never gotten the jetpack wet before, and that might have short-circuited it. More likely, its inner workings had been ripped to shreds by the sharp claws currently encircling his ankle. The alligator person lifted him higher, and then when the monster's snout cracked open, Ellicott saw only a white fangs and a thick red tongue. And then it spoke. At first, Ellicott was sure he'd misheard a particularly varied growl. As he was certain he was about to feel the monster's jaws biting through his face, he was beyond caring what he might or might not have heard. The alligator person repeated himself, enunciating carefully. Who are you? Ellicott's hair blew back as he was blasted with a stench of sewer water and rotting flesh a breath mint the size of Alaska couldn't cure. Ellicott Skullworth, I don't know you. The alligator person sounded like he was gargling gravel. I know you, he said lowering Ellicott with his left hand and raising his right, which Ellicott saw for the first time was holding an upside-down hatless Banneker. Despite his present predicament, Banneker looked pleased to have been recognized. That's why you're coming with me, the alligator person snarled. Banneker's face fell. You I may have to kill, the alligator person said to Ellicott, and then he was moving forward, carrying both boys by their ankles. Ellicott curled up and tried to reach the alligator person's hand to loosen his grip. Ellicott was dunked again for his efforts. Relax, the alligator person thundered. I said I may have to kill you. I'll have to ask the others. Banneker looked to Ellicott and mouthed, others? Ellicott shut his eyes. He had to think, had to come up with a plan that didn't involve having his arms or legs bitten off deep in the dark sewers of Latimer City. First, he must take an inventory. He had nothing in his pockets, his jetpack wasn't working, and Banneker's mustn't be either or he'd be flying away right now. But Banneker was wearing his trench coat on the inside of which he kept EMP disc, a grappling gun, and Ellicott opened his eyes. Smoke bombs! He wriggled around toward his cousin. Banneker, smoke bombs! Banneker's normally light brown face had gone dark with blood rush, but he nodded. He reached into his trench coat and retrieved three pallets the size of grapes. Give them to me, Ellicott demanded. Banneker handed them over, and Ellicott flung one at the tunnel ceiling as hard as he could. It made a sound like breaking glass, and then a cloud of smoke dropped on them from the place the pellet had struck. The alligator person snarled and turned back. What was? Ellicott flung the two remaining smoke bombs into the alligator person's open mouth. His jaws snapped shut, and his yellow eyes went wide. Nothing else happened. 
The alligator person began to swallow. Banneker wriggled around and kicked the beast in the throat with his free foot. Alakot heard a muffled sound of breaking glass, and the grip on his ankle relaxed. For the third or fourth time that night, he couldn't keep track. Alakot plunged headfirst into a pool of raw sewage. When he resurfaced, the alligator person was bent over in a full coughing fit. Both his hands clutched to his throat and his tail thrashing. Thick plumes of smoke streamed out either side of his jaws, and his yellow eyes were now red and bulging. Banneker had also been dropped. Run! He took off in the opposite direction and slowed only long enough to scoop up his trilby hat, which had been left floating in the stream of waste, much of it human. If this bothered Banneker, it didn't stop him from jamming the hat back on his head. Ellicott hurried after his cousin. He tried to run, but with sewer sludge up to his chest, it was faster to swim. Ellicott glanced back only once to see the alligator person was gone, having slipped below the surface where he could better breathe. Alakat didn't know how fast an alligator person could swim, but he guessed it was faster than a non-alligator person. We need to get out of the water. Banneker veered to the left where there was a cement walkway. He lifted himself onto it. Stinking water ran off his trench coat and splattered. As Banneker swam, something beneath the water brushed his back. He shuddered and gripped the walkway to pull himself out. Give me a hand. Banneker reached for him. Something very large and very fast broke the water surface behind Delicat. He was yanked backward. The alligator person rose out of the water to his full height, towering over Delicat. His eyes were puffy and reddish yellow. I changed my mind, he growled. I'm definitely going to kill you. And that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, if you'd like to continue reading chapter six and the other 50 some odd chapters that await, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People is available today as an ebook and a paperback wherever fine books are sold. Uh, if you'd like to start with the original adventure, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees is available also as a paperback and an audiobook narrated by someone far more professional than myself, Mr. David Radke. Uh, and the ebook is free to download. Whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. So get yourself a copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. When you're hooked on the series, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People will be waiting. Uh, if you like what you read, uh, please be so kind as to leave a review, maybe share it on social media. If you routinely get books from your library, please, the next time you're there, uh, stop by the librarian's desk. And if they don't already have a copy, of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees or Banneker Bones and the Alligator People, please request that they order one. They've got to order books anyway. That makes the book available for you to read and available to anyone else in your community who might also enjoy these books. Uh, as always, for more information about me and the show, log on to middlegradeninja.com. Uh, that's it for today. We'll be back next week with more interviews. Until then, esteemed audience, hiya and what have you. <laughs>